This is Pioneering Today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris. Inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1 Community Radio. Hi, this is Melissa with Pioneering Today. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about tips for survival, preparedness, and food storage. Um, So I'm really excited to talk about that as we are gearing up here going into fall. Um, And in the Pacific Northwest where I live, um, fall and winter can be kind of an interesting uh, time of year around here. Um, Sometimes we have really mild winters and sometimes we have, um, it was four years ago actually, we had a winter where we had about two and a half feet of snow that came and stayed on the ground from November all the way through to March. Um, it was kind of an extreme winter. And during that winter, we um, happened to have a mudslide that came down and took out part of the main highway, took out um, the power lines. And it was so big and it was unstable, it would keep sliding, um, that where I at my home, we were without power for uh, 10 full days. And it was really cold out. There was a whole bunch of snow down on the ground. You know, it would drop, it was dropping down into the teens at night. Um, And so that really woke me up to if something, you know, another natural disaster like that or something larger came along, uh, you know, how, how prepared were we to survive that, um, you know, without the electricity and a lot of things that we kind of take for granted. So as we go into the fall season um, and the storm season coming up, um, I really wanted to address some of this. Um, so it was very interesting <laughs> during that um, that 10 days without power. And I, going without power isn't something that's really new for me. Um, you know, where we live, and it's a very rural area. Um, our power lines are above ground, uh, you know, so we and we have a lot of trees and a lot of wind and stuff that'll come through. So it's a pretty common thing for us to, to lose power. Um, and when we lose power, because on the, the line that we live on, there aren't any um, businesses or commercial or anything like that. So we're kind of the last to get our power restored um, if there's major outages all, all over the place. So I, we, we, that's just something that I've grown up with. So I'm used to going out with power. You know, usually when it goes out, we're um, it's out for at least 24 hours. So that's kind of nothing, um, you know, and then any, sometimes up to, you know, 48 hours. Um, it's kind of a normal thing. And then when it goes beyond that, that's kind of when it becomes a little bit uh, not so much of the norm. But normally we lose power like like that at least, you know, two or three times a year. So it um, so being prepared to be without electricity on a short term basis is something that we're kind of I'm already familiar with. Um, but when we went that full 10 days without electricity and they had they had thought that it might even be longer than that. But thankfully, it was only 10 days. Um, it really made me realize how we do need to be prepared for these kind of things to be able to take care, you know, of our family and and our livestock. So that's what I want to talk to us about today. And so the the first thing um, that I want to bring up is if you go without power that you would need to consider is some kind of home food storage. Um, Because generally when you are without power, and especially if it's on a, like a large scale disaster type thing, most grocery stores only have enough food on hand if there's not, you know, new deliveries coming through or if people are panicking and going in, you know, sometimes within 24 hours, some of the major stuff is is wiped out and off the shelf. So if you have a store 
um, at home, some kind of, uh, you know, where you've stored things, you're going to be ahead of the game. Um, and especially if it's an, a natural disaster where the weather is very incremental, it might not be safe for you to be traveling to the store. Um, so that's another reason that you want to have, you know, a basic food storage um, at your own home. So one of the things in, uh, you know, an emergency type situation is having um, canned food on hand. And I'm a big, um, you can listen to, I did a, a canning show. Um, if you want to catch any of the past episodes of Pioneering Today, if you go to melissaknorris.com and on the, on the top, there's a button that says podcast. And if you just click on podcast, then all of the episodes that have been, that have been aired, you can just click on each episode and there's a link and you can listen to it right there on the computer. So um, you know, if this is your first time listening in or you want to re-listen to some of the episodes or that kind of thing, um, that's available as a resource for you. So in one of our past episodes we talked about was Canning 101, um, home canning. And so I do a lot of home canning. Um, we grow our old garden, and so I'm able to put up a lot of home canned food that way. And so I like having, you know, that food at home. And the reason that I prefer canned food as far as um, building up your food storage um, for an emergency type situation is it doesn't require any electricity. So if you have food that's in the freezer, that's actually great for food storage and some vegetables and of course meats and stuff that you could can. I actually prefer prefer them frozen. Um, you know, sometimes canning certain foods um, like zucchini, you can can zucchini, uh, your summer squashes, but they're going to be fairly mushy. So I prefer for food storage to freeze our zucchini. So there's some things like that that I really think that the freezer um, has a better option for. Um, but for your home canned food, if the power goes out like has happened um, frequently or in an emergency situation, I don't have to worry about losing any of the food that I've home canned that's sitting on my shelf. So it's stable without electricity, which is great. And an another reason that I really like the home canned food for emergency type situations um, which is going to bring us to my next point um, on our tips, um, is water supply. So most of your um, frozen foods or even a lot of your dried goods that you might store, uh, you know, dried beans um, is, is one thing that a lot of people have that's very easy food storage. Um, pasta, dried pasta is another thing that has a fairly stable long shelf life. But they, both of those require water to cook them. And if the power is out, it depends on what your water supply is. If you're on, um, a, you know, a city water supply or if you have a, your own well, which is what we happen to have. It's a private well and that requires electricity to run it. So if you don't have access to water when the power is out, it's going to be a lot harder for you to cook stuff that's frozen or that's been dried. Whereas canned food has the liquid already in the jar and so you can just put that in your pot and heat it. And you don't have to worry about having extra water when water might be a scarce commodity, which it oftentimes is in an emergency type situation. So those are kind of the advantages to canned food um, when you're looking at having a home food storage. So and, um, besides the canned food, though, the other things that you can keep on hand is rice. Again, that will require some water to cook. But the great thing about rice uh, and dried beans um, and wheat berries, actually, to grind your own flour. The reason that wheat berries are preferred over ground flour, well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, the main reason is your regular ground flour that you buy from the store, when it's commercially ground, 
they have to take out the wheat germ, which has got the oil in it. And that's where all of your main vitamins and minerals and the healthy parts of a wheat berry is stored. And the reason that they have to take those out is because it has oil in it. And once it's ground up, then the shelf life on freshly ground flour is only two to three days and then it will turn rancid. So they have to take that part out when they grind it commercially so that your flour has a a stable shelf life. Unfortunately, that takes away a ton of the health benefits. So if you store the wheat berries, wheat berries will store for an extremely long period of time. And even store-bought flour, it can get, you know, bugs in it, weevils, different things like that. For for long-term, if you're looking to build up a long-term food storage, things that are going to be stable for for many months, um, ground flour is not really your best option. Um, unfortunately. And so your wheat berry is a much better option. Wheat berries will store for years. Um, You can put them in glass containers. Uh, You can buy them in in metal. Um, I buy mine in bulk and store the wheat berries in some of the large half gallon um, canning jars with the lid. So they're in glass. Um, Things that are stored in plastic, um, if you have, you know, mice or rats or that kind of a thing, um, it's really, they can gnaw, they can chew through the plastic and get in there. Um, and if it's not sealed very well, then of course, you know, bugs and different things can get in. So I really prefer glass um, or metal. Metal is also another great storage thing. Uh, you know, stainless steel metal containers uh, to keep, you know, different critters and that kind of thing out. So that's one of the reasons I really like uh, the wheat berries. Plus, when you grind your own flour, it's much healthier for you. The health benefits are really great. And it's kind of like anything, um, the more unprocessed state that you purchase it and to cook with, you're really going to notice in the flavor and the quality of the finished product. So when you grind your own flour, it has this, the smell is just great. And when you're baking your own bread or whatever um, baked good products that you're making with it, um, really just turn out better, especially if you're using um, sourdough or yeast, anything that you need to rise. When you grind your own flour, it's warm because it's went through the grinder. And so when you add it to your yeast products, um, it rises better because it has the warmth already in the flour. So when you go to, um, if you have wheat berries, then one thing you're going to need to get is a grinder because you have to grind it. So there's two, um, there's two things that you can use to grind your flour. There's, um, is a electric flour grinder or you have your manual flour grinder and there's advantages and disadvantages to both of those. Obviously in an emergency type situation, an electric flour grinder is not going to be what you want to use because <laughs> you need power to run it. And in, so in those instances, a manual flour grinder is going to be what you want to use so that you can just turn and crank by hand and grind flour. Um, for everyday use where you expect to have electricity, um, an electric grinder is what I have um, because you can grind it, one, much, much faster. And secondly, you can grind more at a time. So um, those are kind of the advantages to that. But being as we're talking about being prepared um, for emergency type situations, then you would like to, you should have, if you plan on doing uh, wheat berries for part of your storage, a manual grinder. Um, and so what's nice too is about a manual grinder is you can actually ground nuts and oily type products through it and it won't gum up the gears. As with um, electric flour grinders, you can grind, um, you know, you can grind rice and that kind of stuff, but you can't grind anything that's oily. So you can't make your own peanut butter, almond butter, any kind of nut butter. You can't grind that with an electric flour grinder. So that's um, another advantage to the manual grinders. Um, And so when we're also going to talk a little bit more on the food storage 
is a lot of people do have vegetables and meat stored and those can be canned um, vegetables and meats if you remember from our canning need to be canned with a pressure canner because they're a non-acidic food whereas your fruits um, salsas certain things like that um, cucumbers from the vinegar which adds acidity those can be done in a water bath um, canning but you do need for your your vegetables and meat need to be canned in a pressure cooker canner and another thing is so we readily most people have you know that on hand um, but one thing even if you raise your own you know you have chickens and your own beef and that kind of thing that can be hard to access in times of emergency is a fat supply in your diet so um, if you want to stock up, be a really great thing is I've been um, slowly increasing mine uh, is for my fat supplies. I use coconut oil. Coconut oil is great in baking um, because it's really stands up well to high heat. It doesn't break down and have any ill effects as can happen um, when you're trying to bake with olive oil. Um, it's also great for stir frying. It's really great um, in baking. You can use it as butter. It's also really good actually for your skin. Um, you can a lot of people use it as a moisturizer. So it's a really it's very very healthy fat supply. Coconut oil is so that's something. It has a really long stable shelf life. So if you're looking for a, some kind of um, fat supply to have on hand, then I really recommend using the coconut oil. And then the other thing um, that would be hard to come by um, as far as seasoning is salt. You know, it's really hard to hover salt around here. I don't know anybody that, that does their own salt, um, but salt um, can be used for, you know, curing meats um, and is something that's going to be hard to come by. So salt would be another thing that I would recommend that you also have a good supply of on hand. Um, so then our second, second point that I want to come to is a water supply. Um, if the power is out and it's an emergency type situation, do you have any way to get water? Um, if it's in the middle of winter, which here once when we have snow, plus we're quite rainy and wet normally here in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, you can get water outside, you know, collected in a bucket. If you're, you know, close to the a river, creek, um, if there's snow on the ground, then obviously you can melt that. Um, one thing which is going to bring us to our next point, though, is you need to have a way to heat it. So if you don't have electricity you need to make sure that you have some kind of heat source because you need to be able to boil that water. You know, snow water, any kind of water needs to be boiled um, and sanitized so you don't get sick. Um, other ways to do it besides boiling is you can put a certain amount of bleach in. That means you need to have bleach on hand. Um, you can also get water sanitation tablets. Um, you can get those um, um, a camping supply place online, you know, that kind of thing. That would be another item to perhaps have on hand. Um, but you need to be able to get water some way. Um, one way, especially here, to utilize the rainfall that we get is would be to create a rain barrel. And then you would have some water, you know, there in that aspect. So it's something, you know, you want to look at your own unique situ situation and, you know, where you live, your house and that kind of thing in your water supply. And see about, you know, keeping some extra water on hand and that you'd have a way to get water. Especially if the power was out for a long time for, you know, like a severe natural disaster type situation. Um and so then we're going to go into our heat source. Um, you know, if you didn't have electricity, how would you get heat? Is the electricity your only heat source? And you would need to, to think about um, either, and it depends on the time of year too, if it happens in summertime, you know, a heat source might not be that th big of a deal. It would be more of a way of, you would look at if having to be um, able to keep cool. So of course, um, you know, if heat is an issue, 
um, making sure that you have plenty of um, clothes on hand for layering, you know, hats, you lose a lot of your heat through your head so that you would have hats, um, you know, uh, blankets, that kind of a thing that you would be able to keep warm that way. Um, we have a wood stove. So when the power goes out, um, we're pretty self-sufficient in that area. We always make sure each year that we have plenty of wood and a little bit extra put up um, so that you know, that if the power is out for a long period of time, um, that our heat source is fine and not affected. Plus it also enables us that we can cook on our heat source, which is our wood stove. So that, that allows us to do some cooking. Um, one thing is, um, if you do have a wood stove is to make sure that you have dry wood put up, uh, or cured wood. Um, if you put wet, try to use wet green wood, um, when it's not going to burn very well and it's not going to burn very hot, um, so that's one thing that you want to look at your wood supply for your heat if that is your heat source and make sure that you have enough dry wood put up to get you through a long period of time. Um, and then the next thing that we're going to look at is sanitation. <laughs> so where would you be able to go to the bathroom? Are, are you know, are you on, do you have your own septic system? Are you on a city one? Because that's another thing if you don't have water, um, that you're going to have to look at. Uh, you want to make sure, um, that if you have enough water that you can keep your toilets flushed. Um, or if you have to go to the bathroom wherever you live, depending you know upon your situation, if you're going to be going to the bathroom outside, you want to make sure that you're not going to be contaminating a water supply. So you want to use you know proper techniques um, and that kind of a thing when you know in a long-term situation, you have to think about, you know, way back when they had outhouses. So they dug a big hole in the ground and they built a little shack over top and they had usually a bench with a hole cut in it. Um, sometimes they'd put a toilet seat on that if they had, you know, in later years. Um, and that's where I went to the bathroom. And then when that got full, they would fill it in and they would move it and dig another hole. So that would be something that you would want to look at and make sure that you knew, um, on where, you know, when it was to go to bathroom and where water sources are, well sources, that kind of thing. So you aren't contaminating someone else's water supply. Um, and then another thing that you want to consider when we're going towards emergency type stuff is medication. So this could just be simple, you know, fever reducers, which would be, you know, just over the counter, you know, Tylenol, that kind of thing. Um, if you're on any prescription medications, um, then you would want to make sure that you had perhaps some extra on hand. Um, my daughter actually has a, a blood clotting disorder. So this is something that I need to think about um, to prepare for her. So it's kind of going to depend on what, you know, what illnesses or conditions that you and your family have. Um, I think for some kind of long-term incidences where you wouldn't be able to get um, any pharmaceuticals, that kind of a thing, I think a lot of people would return to more holistic remedies, which I happen to think is probably a good thing in, in some incidences, not all. Um, so if you start looking into medicinal herb garden and know what herbs, what which ones are safe, what treat certain conditions and that kind of thing, um, that might be something that you would, you know, start planning now is to have a medicinal herb garden. Um, there's a ton of resources out there, people who are familiar on that, and, and we'll be covering that um, a little bit later, you know, um, Mint is something that has been known, you know, to help soothe stomach issues, um, can also help um, as a decongestant when you drink mint. So there's many things that we use, you know, for flavoring and whatnot that can also have, 
some holistic remedies as well. So I think that would be something um, in an emergency type situation, that knowledge and having the herbs on hand would be very beneficial. Um, One thing is honey can be used as a topical antibiotic. It can be used um, when you ingest it, make a tea, a hot tea out of it with hot water as a cough suppressant. And then also as a sore throat treatment, it coats the throat and the antibiotic properties in it um, will help with that. So that's one thing is just having some of those tidbits of kind of the older lost knowledge um, to have on hand. So this um, is going to be part one on our tips for survival and preparedness. And so you can tune in for part two next week. As pioneering today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris. Inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1.